Well, a blessed Christmas to you all, and welcome to Frank Friar Fridays on this Christmas Day. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis, broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. And how very nice to be able to share this day with you, albeit in a very distant kind of way. I'm going to start with this lovely prayer that many will hear at Mass today, either in person, if you're able to do that, or virtually. Today, a light will shine upon us, for the Lord is born for us, and he will be called Wondrous God, Prince of Peace, Father of future ages, and his reign will be without end. Amen. Well, in thinking about doing this podcast on Christmas Day, if you're listening to it at least on Christmas Day, but you'll be listening to it at some point during Christmas because we will continue to celebrate Christmas for the next uh, eight days, the thing that came to mind is maybe I'd talk not so much about what was coming up next chronologically in my story, but talk about some Christmas pasts for me. And yet before I get into that, I was reminded as well that I've not been, I started doing some birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, anniversaries are harder for me to find out about unless someone tells me, but I do know about a very significant anniversary occurring today. I think today is the 50th anniversary of Chuck Anderson coming to St. Tom. So that's certainly a very special day to remember and to remember all that Chuck and Lucia have done for St. Tom's. So God bless you, Chuck and Lucia, and all that you continue to do for our, our church. You're truly a blessing to us. The, uh, but, you know, golly, I was looking at some, per there are a lot of birthdays, so I better get to it. Um, I think Bar Pinnell's is today or it was yesterday. El, some of these are a little late. El Diaz, Mary Lucy, Andrew Sinclair, my cousin Sharon DiGiovanni, Drew Johnson, Mark Yu over there all the way in, um, in Kuala Lumpur. Andy Zarnicki is going to be in a day or so. Your new pastor at St. Tom's, Tom McDermott. If he's not going to tell you, I will. His birthday's on the 27th. Caroline Mooney. Joe Shirai uh, in Indonesia. One of my old classmates, Cindy Shields Bukoff. Jenny Bay, Susie Sherlow, and one of my old bosses, Gail Cousins. So happy birthday to all of you. I remember that when I was six years old, we moved. And so that's a, a pretty good demarcation between how I spent Christmas, because how do I remember 68 Christmases? I, I don't. They start to become a bit of a blur, although I certainly can, in looking back and reflecting on my Christmases, see shifts, I guess, or, or those kind of dramatic changes. Maybe... You, you don't think maybe a six-year-old would notice moving uh, from one house to another. We didn't geographically move very far at all. It was only five miles. 
But, you know, I do have a, a very distinct memory of that and what how we would celebrate Christmases in my what was my grandmother's house. And then we moved to the house that my father built for us. And the thing that I, I do feel sort of stands out is the specialness of, of family being together. I, I, I don't remember a lot of presents. I'm going to talk about a couple of them. But, boy, I remember the the coming together because my grandmother lived with us until she died in, I think it was about 1982. Uh, I think it is exactly 1982. So we either lived with her in her house until I was six years old and then my dad built this house in Crete and then she moved with us. So because she was the parent to six children and grandmother to, I forget how many cousins we had, a great many, uh, she was very much the sort of um, obligatory visit on, on special occasions, and Christmas was one of those. So our house would be filled with her children and their spouses and their children. And so that w became part of our Christmas if, from the from the very beginning, from the very first time we moved into our house in Crete. It was the, sort of the center of our Christmas celebrations. And my mother and my Aunt Mary especially would be baking all kinds of cookies for days, maybe weeks ahead of time. And it was a great source of, of, of fun, you know, to, to, to be part of that, that cookie making and baking process. I, I remember our, our Christmas trees going from green trees which we would have in our old house in, in East Chicago Heights. And then we moved to Crete. We kept that green tree condition uh, tradition, but at some point it changed to flocked trees. And flocked trees were all the rage for a while. And I remember my, my Aunt Mary seemed to never give up on it. I don't know where she got them. I don't know where we got them. But there were just these live trees that were sprayed with this white synthetic stuff. I don't it certainly didn't make it look like it snowed. It just looked like a big white a tree that was made white. And then you would typically you would, all the bulbs were the same color. You know, I think ours were blue and then there would be a spotlight on them. And then unfortunately we went from that to aluminum trees for about 4 or 5 years, I think. And that was a aluminum tree that would rotate. And there was a floodlight on it that would change colors. And that was not one of my favorites. When we got rid of the aluminum tree, we uh, went to artificial trees. Because when we had, the last year we had a real tree, it was so fresh that it toppled over and it broke a lot of our ornaments. My grandmother was home by herself and she sort of freaked out by it all. The thing that I also remember about our Christmases is that, you know, early on, um, maybe certainly the younger would not know that vigil masses were something that, that came about because of changes in the liturgy from Vatican II. So when I was young, we would uh, not have Saturday vigil masses at all. So midnight mass was the first mass at which you could celebrate Christmas. 
And so it would be jam-packed. I don't know that my mother was all that thrilled about going because, you know, we would have to get there early. And we were very faithful goers, of course, and she'd always sort of be grumbling that somebody was sitting in our pew as if we had something assigned to us. But it would be packed. It would be beautiful. There would be some drunks there, yeah. But I think for the most part, it was it was really... A wonderful celebration and a wonderful day, way to, to, to start the day. Um, the uh, other thing that, of course, sort of a cultural part of our experiences, the TV was still sort of new. <laughs> That's how old I am. Um, I remember when we got our, I think, I think we were in college before we got a color TV. We had a black and white TV for years and years. Um, we we had this huge television set. It was called a Family Entertainment Center. It was this gigantic wooden cabinet with a stereo on one side and a television on the other and speakers in the middle or a bar or something. But we would watch this. We would watch, I remember I remember It's a Wonderful Life being something we'd watch, Bells of St. Mary, Miracle on 34th Street. There was this claymation version of... Uh, it's sort of animated, but with clay figures of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, A White Christmas, of course, uh, A Miracle on 34th Street. I don't know if I mentioned that. And we would watch them every year over and over and over again. You never, you really never got tired of it. The only thing I got tired of it was there was also all these Christmas specials that Perry Como and Lawrence Welk and Mitch Miller, and those I... I, I got over very quickly, but they were they were something that was certainly a favorite of my my mom and dad and my my grandmother loved them as well. So we only had one television. There was only three channels, so there wasn't there wasn't much variety. So that's something that I um, would uh, suffer through because we wanted to just wanted to watch the TV. You know, um, the the gifts that I remember. Most, I think, were my grandfather, uh, my father's father. I never knew my mo mother's father. He died before I was born, my Italian uh, grandfather. But my, my Lithuanian grandfather, I knew v not very well because he and my grandmother had separated before I was born as well. And he was a, a very distant figure in my growing up. But I remember him one Christmas when we had moved to Crete, so that's how I can tell. So I was probably six or seven years old. And he had made an airplane that I could sit on. And, it, you know, of course it didn't fly. But it was a very cool thing that he had made himself. And it's uh, one of those uh, memories I think that's hard to... Maybe, I don't know, to me the things that people would make were the, the, the very special gifts that you would receive or things that we could make. You know, the, 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 gift, the Christmas gifts I remember the most are things like Tinker Toys or Lincoln Logs. I don't remember the um, getting the other, the, those building block things. I think they were too expensive, but Tinker Toys were something that we could create ourselves. You know... I would have to say that presents were not a a big deal for me. We were we were not a wealthy family, and 
I, I didn't appreciate it so much. And I would go over to a friend's house. He was my best friend. And golly, I remember being in his house for Christmas Day. They gave me something, you know, a little thing. But boy, Tom must have, I'm not kidding, he must have had 20 gifts. And I had had probably two that, that Christmas. And I remember feeling a little sort of sad about it, I guess. But then, you know, there was not the, the sort of loud boisterousness that, that activity, all this energy from our huge family coming over. And I certainly wouldn't have wanted to trade that. You know, I remember I was probably in junior high school and my mom and dad gave me this big clock radio and it was a wooden case and it had a clock in the middle and kind of good speakers, but it was just a radio. There wasn't anything else attached to it. And I remember being being disappointed. I don't know what I had wanted or hoped for that Christmas, but it certainly was not a clock radio. And when I got older and I went away to college and I brought that with me, there came a point where I, I started to appreciate how much it must have meant to my parents to be able to give me something like that. It wasn't, I don't think it was very expensive, but it was what they could do, and I think they they know I, I like to listen to classical music on the radio. And as I got older, and my appreciation of all that my parents had done for me, the sacrifices that they had made for us, became more clear to me. That radio became very precious to me. The going home, whether I was in college or when I had first moved to Washington, D.C., was certainly part of the routine. But when, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, when my wife left me, I, I did not go home for Christmas. In fact, I, I kept our separation a secret from my parents because I didn't want it to spoil their Christmas. I knew that they would have been distressed about my separation at that point because my my wife had left me in Thanksgiving and so I I spent Christmas that first Christmas ever away from my family with a Jewish family in Philadelphia and I was and I was grateful for it they they tried to to make it special for me and and they did and I was very very grateful but it certainly was a far cry from the things I had experienced as, as a child. I know, though, that that 19, 1977 was sort of a, a change in the way I thought about Christmas and the way I started to celebrate Christmas because once I stopped going home every year, I started to develop Maybe I could say I started to develop my own my own traditions. That my my mom and dad had my siblings that were nearby and and grandchildren, and I didn't feel the pull to be with my family in the same way. And I wanted to, I you know maybe in a way there was some sort of a jealous character to it that I wanted to somehow create my own family and f 
friends. And I certainly I would go, you know, I, that I, sort of like a phase as well, you know. That, but there was this, it was when I was living in Washington, D.C. that I started to develop that desire to have my own sense of what Christmas was and how it would be celebrated. Certainly, you know, after 1982 and my grandmother's death and that, that sort of pull to my parents' house uh, uh, changed and went away. We did occasionally have cousin parties. We did that for a few years, and because there were so many of them, it was quite a quite a gathering. But it was, um, I, I think, a needed change for me that 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 I I, I wanted Christmas to be celebrated. And, but I wanted it to be celebrated sort of on my own terms. And and I I eventually started going back, but there was this period when I was in Washington, D.C., where I wanted to, to have that sense of Christmas and creating traditions of my own. Although I remember one year, it was after I had left the Hill, I had a roommate, Gilberto Ferraz, and Gosh, we were we were really poor. We had an apartment uh, on Connecticut Avenue up by the zoo, and we were so poor we couldn't buy a Christmas tree. <laughs> he was very very creative, and we had uh, a Christmas tree made just made out of lights that he taped to the wall of the apartment. And I I think it was one of the most beautiful Christmas trees that I could remember. At least that sort of image of a Christmas tree. Um, so um, it's something now, I think, in reflecting on all those Christmases of, of my life, that the thing that I think, believe stands out most is how we are called to, to be a gift to one another. Um, certainly, we celebrate today the greatest gift that we could ever receive, and that's Jesus Christ in our lives. And I think that it took me a while, but the appreciation more for Christ in my life and what I could give, you know, I, I must say, and I, I, I think it reflects well, and the, the thing that I always appreciated more was what I could give and not so much what people would give me. I would always feel kind of awkward if people spent too much money on me. I wanted to give to others. And I recall this time of year, of course, as well, that my dad died about 20 years ago, just a, a few days after Christmas. And I, I can hardly remember a single gift that he gave me, a single material thing, but I remember this well the gift of himself, that he gave me time and time again. And it is what I remember now is the very most precious, the most memorable. You know, God gives us this great gift of his son in our life. And he offers us this, not as a reward for something that we've done, and not because we're good enough, none of us are, but because God is so good that he wants to share his goodness and his love with us. Today I remember um, the friends I'm not able to be with this year and family members and 
I'm sure we're all recalling the things that we're not experiencing or not able to have this Christmas. But there's one thing that we do have, and that's, that's God's love for us, this great gift that he showed in, to us through his son. Uh, and the, the example that he gave us, that what, what we receive, we are to generously share with others. And what we've most especially received is God's love. So let us share that with others, not just today, but always. In the challenging days, maybe year ahead, hopefully it'll be a, a, a better year, a, uh, a year that doesn't have all of these challenges. But we do have one another, even if we're not physically present to one another, and we always have God's love. God bless you, and I wish I could be with every single one of you, because I miss you all very much. But I know that one day our paths will cross again. Merry Christmas.